0: Hey, it's Shane. I'm an independent A&R and manager in the music industry. Over the past few years, I decided that I wanted to launch a podcast about the journeys of musical artists and other industry folks from a mental health perspective. Many of the inspiring, uplifting, and sometimes heartbreaking stories you hear about the music industry are true. Everyone in this industry has a story to tell. I hope through these vulnerable conversations that we're able to inspire creatives in music and also shift the music industry towards one that is more welcoming and encouraging to all. Welcome to IntentCast. Today on IntentCast, we will be interviewing Mackenzie Ellis, professionally known as Mothika. A survivor of sexual abuse, suicide attempts, and alcoholism, Mothika turned her journey to sobriety into a piece of art with her debut album, Blue Hour. Charting at number three on iTunes, Blue Hour followed the success of TikTok viral single, Vices, which has attained 10 million Spotify streams and shot to number two on the iTunes charts, all without the assistance of a record label. Blue Hour is an album that grapples with newfound hope, building upon Mothica's catalog of dark pop anthems, which have accumulated over 120 million Spotify streams. I hope you enjoy this episode of Intent Cast, where we talk about all of it. Hello, Mackenzie, AKA Mothica. Hi. How are you doing?
1: Doing well. Today is a better day than this week, I think.
0: Oh yeah, because of like everything in the world or personal stuff or both.
1: <laughs> everything in the world, but also I just feel like uh it's constantly a game of whack-a-mole where like mm. issues are constantly popping up everywhere.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then like they kind of it's weird. I don't even know like where to pay attention. I just feel like everything's a little bit of a mess.
1: <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Yeah. Let alone what's happening outside of me, it's just like even Yeah, it's everywhere.
0: Yeah, I think it's actually really interesting even for you right now because you're at home Mm -hmm. um, for a little bit longer in Oklahoma City. And I know you've mentioned in the past that like Oklahoma City wasn't necessarily the place that you saw yourself succeeding as a musical artist. And I just think it's kind of wild the success that you've recently had with Vices and now the album Blue Hour, um, being, like, at home with your your parents. And I'm feeling the same way. I'm, like, going back to L.A. in a week and, like, also with my family right now. And it's kind of bizarre.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think there's so much I wouldn't have done, like, if I hadn't, you know, gone home during quarantine, especially with the TikTok videos. Like, I'd had an account for a long time, but it wasn't till... I had nothing to do all day that I started posting.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah, Totally. I I think let's actually get into TikTok a little bit because what strikes me about your time in the past, I guess, six months in this quarantine is that you're actually you've actually shared quite a bit of content that came out last year before before things sort of took off, but also like you're so open and honest about your mental health, but also your TikTok is hilarious. And I'm curious if you feel like you've, if TikTok is exploding for you because you get to show these other sides and of your creativity. I mean, I know you went to school for art as well, plus mm-hmm. like comedy, but also being super real. I don't know. It's like, it's such an interesting platform that yeah. I'm wondering what you think about.
1: Yeah, I definitely realize that on TikTok, people like um, you know, auth- you know, they like real videos that aren't you know snippets of music videos. Like I, when I would post a snippet even of the Vices music video, people didn't react to that in the same way as like a behind the scenes. So I get to like show my personality, which is true. Like a lot of my music is very open and honest, but my personality. Like, I joke around a lot and have a lot of dad jokes. And a lot of my songs yeah. are, <laughs> I think, have little puns in them. And, um, yeah, so I'm glad I get to share that side, too.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you get to joke about both, like, the dark and the light. I mean, it's like it toggle you toggle between the two kind of effortlessly. And it's interesting that um, I love the theme of Blue Hour, living kind of at this cusp of dusk and between <laughs> night and day. Yes. And like between, I feel like you've lived on that cusp for quite a bit, but you are expressing yourself in a way that shows me that you have a little more control over that cusp now. And, it's, and you can ex- express it artistically. Would you agree or disagree with that?
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think something that, blue hour was just a word that was rattled, rattling around in my notes for a long time and then you know i kind of one of those like creative people that like music sometimes will get boring to me and i have to be obsessed with something else so i got really obsessed with film and a lot of the filmmakers i follow cinematographers and stuff always talk about blue hour and their Mm. um in their shots and so then that came up again and uh I also think that, like, as as a creative person and also as a, um, you know, recovering addict, like, uh, what I'm looking for is very fleeting. And, like, Blue Hour itself is so beautiful, but it's fleeting. And then it's nighttime.
0: It's so interesting, because I know I have a friend who's a filmmaker who refers a lot to Terrence Malick and talks about Blue Hour and Magic Hour. And Mm there is, like kind of this crazy feeling of tension between something leaving and something coming. And I'm wondering if that is kind of like, what was your journey through sobriety that kind of led you to these extremes um, of color and cinema, but also, you know, this is, I think, the most intense lyrical album mm-hmm. you've put out and like so upfront and not and there's there's less guys in metaphor and when there is it's like artfully done but it doesn't seem like you're you're hiding from it
1: yeah I mean I it's funny because I listened to my older songs and uh they were so you know yeah like doused in metaphors and. uh Honestly, the crazy thing about this album is why I wrote it when I kind of realized I had a drinking problem and that it was like serious and I really needed it. I just kept saying the same things over and over again, like the pattern just repeats. And I was like, okay, I finally need to like get a hang on this. And it was in those first few months of me not drinking that Mm -hmm. like I was so buzzing with energy and like it, it was very... Weird to feel reality.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, yeah.
1: And so all these songs I wrote, like I, I mean, I think I had at one point like twenty five songs for this album, and like, wow, they just were like coming on me. Like I had to write yeah. about it, and I don't think I could write those songs now because, like, honestly, like I was like, I'm okay. I've I've made all these songs about alcohol and about those feelings. I, I get to talk about new things, topics now, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, those song, I felt like that, the process of writing it, there was times where we'd be in the studio and um, it would just be so magical and I would, like, leave and, like, cry in my car and, yeah. and felt like I was doing something right for the emotions. Yeah.
0: Totally. I mean, I, it, it is that blue hour. It sounds like you were creatively like explosive for that moment and you captured it before it went away. Just, you know, in the same sort of, um, the, the idea of light and darkness. Um, I'm curious when you talk patterns, um, when is that, did vices kind of relate to that realization, um, that there were certain patterns that you were undergoing and how did that song come to be?
1: So that song was kind of like one of those like blind date sessions where writing with songwriters and producers I had never met. And every time I walk into a room, I have a couple song title ideas usually. And one of them was Vices, which I had tried to write a song with the same name a couple times, but it was just kind of like when I stopped drinking, I got became obsessed with ice cream and sugar and then I was like smoking cigarettes and I was like oh my god there's always a vice and (laughs) briefly I was addicted to candy crush (laughs) 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 Saga. but like actually I spent money on it so bad and but yeah so I was like oh my god there's like you know if it's not this it's this if it's not this it's this I'm always replacing it
0: Um, Right. And you weren't you were talking about like, you know, alcohol, but also uh, places and things and and situations even like rooms you don't want to be in.
1: People. I Oh, I also got like, you know, if I'm not playing Candy Crush Saga, then I'm just like swiping on Tinder. You know, it's like it's it's always something. And it's like kind of the it's like, why am I? So why are we distracting ourselves or why am I trying to distract myself with all these things?
0: Right. So it's going it, it's almost like figuratively going to the root yeah. <laughs> of like all the issues and I know we've only really talked about sobriety so far but I think what's so interesting um you know even in like everything at once for example like you're dealing with actually a lot of compounded trauma and, like, depression and mental health issues and, you know, previous um, major things that most people don't deal with. And I'm wondering, like, in the process, I know you were very creative, but what was it like after the sessions, like, as you said, where you were just, like, crying? Was it, like, cathartic? Did you feel like you were getting anything out? Definitely
1: music. Yeah is always cathartic. And, you know, like, I think I'm... It's funny because as someone who writes words and, you know, lyrics, I feel like I can't show some emotions to people. Uh And so even when I'm writing a song, like, I can't even show what it means to me until I'm by myself later or whatever. So, yeah, I I feel like uh, music is one of the only ways I can get that complex emotion out of, like why am I doing this or whatever? Um, but yeah, it was very cathartic. And, uh, I mean, the new songs I'm writing after Blue Hour are even more, I think, uh, uh, honest and... Well, not honest, but even more like, oh, shit, she's talking about things. Um,
0: yeah. Is, <laughs> um, is that the upcoming EP that you're talking about? Yeah. yeah. I actually... <laughs> I think it's I I wonder is that does that EP center um it's forever 15 right yeah that, yeah and is it um centering kind of that period between your, when you were 13 and 15 and dealing with both abuse
1: and uh, yeah well one song the song forever 15 is about that mm-hmm. but uh all the other songs are kind of about other topics that Uh, I felt like I didn't really get to speak about, especially, like, body image. Um, uh, I have just, like... It's a lot more, like, angsty and... uh, Well, not angsty, but, like, it's a lot more empowering and kind of gritty Mm -hmm. while I think of Blue Hour as being very blue and emotional and sad, and I needed to write that to get to the place where I'm at now, which is, like, I am, like, in charge. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you attribute that kind of to, um, like, new clarity that you've found since going sober? And can you talk about that journey? Because also, I, I know you mentioned this, but, you know, usually a debut album isn't an artist's sobriety album. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, there's there's a lot of time and work and effort and ups and downs that you've been in to get to this place where you're at now. Um, like a lot more than someone releasing an album that they like recorded in a year. Like these songs wouldn't exist if you hadn't gone through this process. Would you like to talk a bit on that process um, and kind of the ups and downs around it, especially for folks who are going through the same thing or their own vices of whatever things they're dealing with?
1: Yeah, well, it's... um... I mean, I knew from a young age, even in high school, that I well one in high school I definitely romanticized drinking and drug abuse and mm-hmm. and I always thought it was cool to like I always drink whiskey and write songs on a piano by myself mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm yeah, like yeah. sixteen, like uh, just <sighs> imagining being this like Hobbit writer person <laughs> that just drinks alone or whatever and I thought it was You know, I definitely thought I, you know, I'd die young and that was my going to be my life. And and uh, and it's funny, the thing that really got me to stop drinking wasn't like a lot of the depression and well, self-harm and because I was hospitalized a bunch of times and alcohol poisoning, hurting myself. And the thing that really got me to stop drinking was I went to this party in L.A.,
0: (laughs) Mm, yeah and I was so that tracks
1: (laughs) I was so embarrassing I was so embarrassing that like you know when I drink I just tell everyone every traumatic thing that's ever happened to me
0: (laughs) I'm in the same boat
1: (laughs) (laughs) I have like a little stand-up routine I do and then this was the worst part and I'll find these recordings one day and burn them But I made the person that owned the house, it was a musician's house, play beats so I could sing and freestyle over them. Oh,
0: because it was time to write (laughs) at the same time. I was
1: like, I want to write songs right now. And (laughs) And I was like, I think I left my purse there too. And I came back the next day just like with so much shame. And I felt that shame hundreds of times for sure. And I was just like, I can't. Like, be this person. Like, I can't Mm -hmm. live with how embarrassing... Because I'm not that outgoing when I'm not, you know, that drunk. Like, I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. these people are going to remember (laughs) that.
0: Yeah. Also, like, for folks listening, like, LA parties are a different beast. And also, like, dealing with being in a music environment at a party is, like... Talk about vices, like... Insecurity, like trying to show off, like trying to be seen as uh, something that I can definitely relate to at those types of events. And like to have everything mixed at the same time is like such a uniquely ripe situation for embarrassment.
1: <laughs> I know. And I was like, I was like, is that really the thing? It's like my pride is what really got me to be like, okay, I should look into this because, uh, I can't be dancing on tables anymore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it, there's always like that there's always multiple moments but there's always like that one moment that people cite when they're they decide to make a major life change.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's always it's funny because it's always like a result of so much that came before. Yes, yeah. That like a fun party like I realize from your story that that was like really embarrassing, but I could imagine in my own situation as well that it's like you know these it's it's years of things that like catch up, and then you're like, Fuck, <laughs> it just took
1: one yeah, like
0: thing to fall
1: <laughs> that's definitely not the you know worst moment I've ever had in at all, but it was like, okay, this is the final straw like especially because I wanted to move to LA. And I was like, I can't move here and be known as that girl that like mm-hmm. spews her life story to strangers. Because mm-hmm. I'm sure, God, I'm sure there's many people that met me and I told them all of my
0: experiences. <laughs> well, ironically, your music has taken off because it's spewing your story to strangers, which is really cool. But I'm glad that you feel more in control of it. Yeah, um, which I think is like another theme that I really noticed on the album, especially in like now and hands Off, like this kind of fear, I don't know if it's a fear of intimacy, but actually like it's the difference between emotional and like physical intimacy mm-hmm. kind of rolled into one. Um, do you want to talk through that theme because I know it relates? possibly to, like, your childhood and some situations you've been through. And, like, did you have to relive any of that to, like, write this? Or have what was that situation like?
1: Yeah, I mean, hands-off was, you know, when I stopped drinking, I kind of got this confidence back and I was going on Mm -hmm. tons of just, like, dates, mostly to just distract myself from... Yeah. ...have something to do. And... Uh, I realized that, like, I had one really kind of negative experience on a date where this guy just really, it was bad vibes. And he Mm -hmm. he just, like, I realized, like, I don't even want to be, like, hooking up with people. I want to not be alone. (laughs) And I'm using these, you know, random people I'm meeting online as an emotional intimacy instead of, you know, I don't know strengthening (laughs) friendships but um totally and uh so i wrote that song kind of about um that but i definitely like oh that's gonna be my final frontier is exercise Mm -hmm. and relationships but um uh is that you know my first experience with someone was not consensual you know yeah, like i it was you know someone in power that took advantage of You know, working with children, youth pastor, that kind of manipulated me into this experience. Um, And so I sought out, you know, approval from Mm -hmm. men as a result of that, especially just shitty people, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm even struggling with that now that, like, I can have so many things happening in my life that are so exciting but yeah. I'm not dating anyone, so I'm like, I'm alone.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. Retweet. <laughs> yeah,
1: right. And I'm like, oh, if I don't have a love interest at all times to fantasize about our future together, like, right? you? <laughs> well, I also, been?
0: I also think like <laughs> it only relates to the last sentence. Let me let me get that <laughs> right. But like, I think as such a creative person, like. I don't know that many artists, especially independently, who are now directing and co-directing music videos, um, you know, involved in the art direction, writing the songs, getting everything recorded, and not working with a record label. Um, how how do you kind of manage that?
1: Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> I, I definitely <laughs> don't, but um, I... that's a fun thing for me and I think I have become somewhat of a workaholic which Mm -hmm. um god when I was drinking I would there would be probably weeks that I wouldn't get anything done like Mm -hmm. I would just like party and I, I don't even know but uh now I feel like so revitalized by well one I feel validated that my decisions worked, for example, like, yeah. um, right. with vices, uh, when it kind of blew up, I really pushed to get it out as soon as possible. And a lot of people told me not to rush and get it out. And like, you should wait and try to build a story around it and wait a month. And I was just like, I got it out. And I was like, it worked. Yeah. So it was like, cool. Yeah. So now I feel like I try. Yeah. I just feel like I I, I get it done if I do it myself, even if it's not perfect. And so I don't wait around.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, totally. And also like, it's funny because I know from like the business side of things, it's always like that build a story thing, but like you've been releasing music for five years (laughs) like you've been building a story
1: well actually the little behind the lyric video if you saw that on youtube where i kind of share i kind of share my life story and it talks about you know my youth pastor abuse and my suicide attempt and all this stuff and i've shared all of those things almost like sometimes i feel like i've talked about it too much and i'm like Mm. oh god like i'm just that girl that talks about her trauma but I was like, I felt like I had this one shot to kind of tell all these new eyes what yeah. I went through to get to this point. Yeah. So when I made that little video, I didn't even show my manager or anyone because I didn't want them to deter me from posting it.
0: <laughs> Cause you're like, this is getting out into the world.
1: Yeah. I was like, like even this, if yeah. even if you have a note, like I'm just putting this out and mm-hmm. and then <laughs> someone commented like, like, her chipped nail polish like well i don't know like they're saying that they liked how um not perfect it was so i was like great cool good um yeah
0: (laughs) yeah i mean it it is interesting how how have you felt so so vices like blew up on tiktok um but it wasn't just the song. It was also your story. And then like your following also blew up on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you released the album and it hit number one on the iTunes pop charts, which is just f- for everyone listening, for an independent artist to be able to do that and also hit number two on iTunes with a single that's released independently is completely insane. I, It just doesn't happen. Um, was that just like... I realized that must have been like just so exciting and crazy. And like, how did you, how do you even handle that much like payoff at once? It's like the, it's like all at once, all this work, you know?
1: I mean, I was like jumping around my house yeah. like a, you know, crazy person, but, uh, yeah, it was just, like, me and my mom, we are just, like, watching it. And I really thought, you know, I made this little video, like, maybe we can try to get it to chart again. And I normally don't care about stuff like that. Like, I've literally never thought about being on the radio or iTunes um, mm-hmm. before. But I was, like, especially, I really want to have the chance to share my story and make music videos and stuff like that. And I was, like, okay, this is going to be a real shot. And so... I mean, it, it was just like mind blowing that it stayed up for 24 hours, and I, I was kind of brilliant in that I decided to do it on a Thursday, so none mm. of the new music on Friday was out. <laughs> right, <laughs> that held. <laughs> yeah, but um, even when even when on Friday it was like Katy Perry and then me, and it was like yeah. crazy,
0: just insane. Yeah.
1: <laughs> So awesome. And I made this little vision board. I actually was going to revamp my vision board today because I actually a lot of it did happen. So yeah, I was
0: going to talk about that because you I think you didn't like put that on social media until after it all happened. And it was just like, wait, what? Like, so was it was it March that you did that vision board? Am I or April yeah. or something? Uh, I
1: think it was April. And I was just, you know, home and feeling really down on my music because every, you know, I released six singles from the album. Yeah. Before Vices. And which, with every release, my monthly listeners and plays were going down. And I'm like, mm. how am I putting out new music that I think is better than what I put out before? And yeah, my audience is shrinking. And I just yeah. had that anxiety of like, Oh God, like, what am I going to do if music doesn't work out? And I was like, watching these videos, and I made this like vision board and I made this um, letter that I would read to myself out loud every night. And like, I can be a skeptic, but you know, two weeks later, It worked, so I was like... I (laughs)
0: mean, the the progress is there.
1: (laughs) I was like, oh shit. Um, And and I do think it's so much about, you know, I decided to really give it my all. And um, I mean, I always have... Well, that's not true. But during quarantine and with this album, I kind of felt like I didn't have anyone on my side, even in the industry. And Mm -hmm. I very much felt like... I'm going to do as much as I possibly can for this album and just hope it works.
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I'm sure as far as industry support goes, um, I loved your post for um, like for reviews of the album, because (laughs) (laughs) you mentioned like, you know, I couldn't get into these publications yet. You have like, Quotes on there from like Black Bear, who's
1: yeah.
0: incredible, <laughs> and like suburban and like
1: yeah.
0: and friends and like your dad, I think. And okay. um what as far as your relationship with the industry? Also, I am from from what I know from my side, I'm certain that folks reached out to you when this started to explode. What how did you make your decision that you, you know, would keep building this independently or organically? <laughs>
1: um the the decision to release Blue Hour independently was really that there's a lot of ways it could have gone down, but all of them led to my album being delayed months because mm-hmm. you know to get a new partner and stuff like that it and I very much felt, and also there's like maybe vices won't be on the album and stuff like mm-hmm. that, and I was just like, I wrote mm-hmm. these songs to exist together. Yeah. I've already started writing what's coming next and yeah. I'm like I just want to get this out and do it myself and not have anyone come in and maybe have their own opinions on what it should be yeah. and um, so yeah it just ended up happening that it's released independently and it seems to be working so far but um, <laughs> yeah uh, yeah and but that's one thing I've always, with the industry, is, like, I, I, most people that hit me up had heard of me, mm-hmm. but it's always been the conversation of, like, let's see what happens, let's see what yeah. happens, or, you know, like, oh, we want to see you play live, and I'm like, well, that's not gonna be happening for a while.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a minute, and by a minute, I mean, we have no idea.
1: <laughs> yeah. but, um who knows what will happen for the next chapter. Um, yeah. But I do feel very, like, validated in that, like, the decisions I made b- have paid off. And so I'm, like, feel confident about moving forward.
0: Yeah, you know, it can be... I think it's, it's tough because, like, I'm such a a fan from from my side of the equation, but also, like from your side of the equation too, of just folks who are interested in things before they even are heard, you know? Like I love as like a manager when a writer, artist I'm working with sends me a demo and I'm just like, what the F? Like this is so good. Like I literally, uh, I'll like cry if it's like, if I just completely feel it and feel so 100% behind it. Um but then you add like money to the equation, and it just like confuses the process a little bit. And it's like so cool to see a song just explode by itself, you know.
1: Definitely, and it, that's the the awesome thing about Vices, which um, who knows what would happen if it had like some money in it. But um, it, yeah, it it didn't go viral on TikTok in that like it's only used in I think like four thousand videos. Mm-hmm. But people actually went off of TikTok to listen to it.
0: And yeah, they were drawn to you and the song, which yeah. is like not the norm always. I mean, we're all kind of learning how that works now, but it, it doesn't always happen.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, one thing that I've always, I've ne- well, I've been independent my entire music career, and so I've never mm-hmm. had the machine of like, uh, you know, PR promo and like one thing is for me that I'm really hoping to get is uh, you know pitching my songs to commercials and TV shows and movie trailers stuff like that that like I've tried to cold email people be like hi it's me
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> and they're like we
1: know you <laughs> um so I don't know that that's definitely I'm always thinking about. The grass is greener on the other side. Um, but I am doing... A, one thing I'm excited about is, like, because of some of the merch sales I got, I'm doing this music video that is definitely the most ambitious thing I've ever done. Like, next awesome. next week. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's it involves a monster, so...
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Those are not cheap, by the way. <laughs> just everyone knows.
1: <laughs> yeah. Full prosthetic makeup monster.
0: Ah, yes. That's yeah. so exciting. Is it for another single off of this album?
1: Yeah. So it's for Blackout.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah. That one is so cheeky. I mm-hmm. love like the production around it, and it's just so sassy for what yeah. it's about, especially. Yeah. And I know it's one of your favorites, right, on, the, on that yeah. one? Yeah.
1: I mean, that one was, like, the one that put me through the ringer the most with, like, because it uh, had, you know, I had it reproduced. There's, like, a different version of it um, that was more 50s sounding. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that, the video, I mean, we'll see how people interpret it. It's going to look like basically a monster horror music video, but the reasoning behind it is, like, basically about addiction and how I manifested mm-hmm. this monster that I... If I keep living with it, I will, you know, ultimately have my demise. So Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> such a that's such a different thing to manifest than like a mood board too. Yeah. And that's uh I feel like that there's a lot of responsibility involved in that statement, I think too. Um, like being able to like, you know, you didn't control how these things happened, but sometimes from a mental health perspective you can can control how they grow or when it's time to say goodbye and um yeah I like the I like the regaining of control and also it sounds kind of funny and fun so it's
1: definitely gonna look more fun than the meaning behind it Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. we'll see if people can interpret it but like yeah it's basically that like I always had the ingredients for you know, addiction. And and I will say, like, I definitely romanticized it and wanted uh-huh. to live with this monster that I loved and, you know, tricked me. But, like, yeah. eventually I was like, okay, I got to get rid of this.
0: Totally. Um, I really want to talk about Sober Interlude.
1: Oh, yeah, like great. One of my... It's
0: like <laughs> a minute and 10 seconds or 11 yeah. seconds. And I don't understand... How you fit so much into one little like <laughs> song? Um, do you want to talk about that? I mean, it, and also like it reads like a little poem. And mm-hmm. I don't. I want to know who you're singing to, yep. and when you wrote this one.
1: Yeah. So, oh man, I don't remember when I wrote this, but uh, uh, talking about singing to myself about yeah. meeting myself for the first time, especially after everything and how yeah it's like now that i'm not numbing myself i have to feel all the emotions that i yeah. pushed down and um originally it was just kind of like a little piano ballad and um my friend nigel added this awesome like guitar wall of sound at the end um and i get a lot of people asking for a full version
0: <laughs> i confess i have texted people saying can she please release a full version but take your time Um, I just I love that one and also it reminds me so much of it's like the end of the song is like when it takes off but we only get like one chorus and it's it reminds me so much of that moment in like Hide and Seek by Imogen Heap where she like soars into the sky to know you didn't know she had in her and you're just like oh shh like there's like a yeah. star in the sky you know what i mean like it feels completely unexpected um i think it's funny that it's so short
1: yeah I, it was I, a full song but um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. basically i i re-recorded the second verse and and i tried to re-record it and it just wasn't feeling the same so like the the vocals on it are like literally the first and only take i did and I felt like I just wasn't creating that same emotion, doing anything. Yeah. So then it. Yeah, like, than the
0: day of. Yeah, that's that's amazing. That is just like a little sparkling moment, um, and then you've kind of embedded this like manifesto in, in the outro to Crash. Um, I love the image. It's about Blue Hour, um, mm-hmm. but it's also about how you can be attracted to this light like a moth um, in a way that can be destructive at times, but enables growth and change. Um, What do you feel... I know you're about to release an EP called Forever 15. And I'm wondering what do you... How are you able to contextualize everything you've been through and are you able to see it as growth and change?
1: Uh, Definitely, yeah. I mean, well, one, the outro was done the last... Uh, that was the last possible thing done on the album. It was actually originally me reading from this book. And then I realized, ooh, I don't know if I can read from a book legally.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So... <laughs> That's-,
0: <laughs> That's actually true.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I emailed the author, and it was like... Too much. So I quickly wrote a voice memo to basically be in the end of the song, kind of about what the album means to me. And, you know, I'm glad people liked it. And um, I think that uh, all of my songs are kind of like trying to understand my own emotions and to be a better version of myself for the younger me. Um, yeah um but yeah I mean there's a lot of times that it doesn't feel like growth like you know I said earlier like the great game of whack-a-mole where like my problems right now are much better than they were when I was before the last couple months but it's still a game of whack-a-mole like I'm still constantly trying to you know yeah feel this existential problem even like it's crazy. Like I had the most success I've ever had, and I still am comparing myself constantly to other musicians. Still, I'm like, yeah. when will this stop?
0: <laughs> It's like it's like these aren't <laughs> questions of extreme or or life or death, but it's still like, yo, can I get a break <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> from from the self comparison? And you know, it, are there any like practices that you have or or things you remind yourself of? To ground when that type of thought comes in.
1: Yeah, one thing I started doing because I definitely struggle with uh, comparing myself, and I think it's you know a lot of it is like, you know, people make it feel like there can only be so many women doing things in the oh, industry. They do,
0: they do in the wrong. <laughs> but you're
1: when, right. Yeah, it, right. Yeah, it, all over the place. <laughs> yeah, especially if they have talk about darker imagery or have you know, tattoos or whatever. It's like, there can only be, like, two of them or whatever. So (laughs) there is that, like, you know, feeling of, like, oh, no, am I not, you know, doing the best job? But I started doing this, and this really helps me feel better. It's like, when I see Mm -hmm. someone doing something really awesome, instead of comparing myself to them, I will literally message them and be like, oh, my God, I love this song or whatever, instead of, like, harboring this resentment. And then I'm like, feel so much better not expecting a response, but just like, why am I feeling jealous? Because they're doing something I admire, so I should tell them. Yeah, that.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that that's like such a growth mindset way to approach it too. I I kind of do something similar and like try to re, like take attention away from the the actual thing and be like, wait, why am I jealous? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> should I like? I obviously like what they're doing, or else yeah, I yeah, wouldn't. Yeah feel any of this and and kind of take it from like a, an approach like that but i love how direct that is just like reaching out. Or
1: and- i was joking on <laughs> on twitter that like if i ever do sign a record deal that i literally won't have anything to blame my failures on which i'm like <laughs> oh well they're they're on a label so that's you know obviously that's why this is happening yeah, yeah. to them. And then i'm like oh shit like <laughs> we'll see that.
0: You're like shit. If I if I bring people on, then yeah, and they're like funneling money into a project. <laughs> like, what is that? <laughs> what do I do? I yeah. get. I totally get that. Even independently, um actually, I've been thinking about. I don't. I I read this book recently, and it's called. I I swear this is relevant. Um, <laughs> it's called Personality Is Not Permanent, and it kind of. Um, opened up my mind a little bit towards like moving beyond traumas and like reassessing how you deal with things and there's this little exercise in it which given the title of your next dp and your current age i think is perfect it mm-hmm. it tells you to imagine yourself of 10 years ago and like everything you were going through and like everything you didn't know and then it asks you to imagine yourself in 10 years from now oh. <laughs> and the, I know I know and like and then it imagine it tells you to imagine those two people meeting and what that person in 10 years would say to the person 15 years ago wow and I feel isn't that just like cr- powerful like
1: <laughs> I definitely try to think of my 15 year old self and forever 15 the, the song and the you know it's like If we, if I do all the things I'm planning to do for it, it's going to be, you know, got to get emotional thinking about it. But, um, it's like, yeah, she was like, I was living in Oklahoma and imagine myself living in a major city. Mm -hmm. Um, I was constantly, I was like on Tumblr or whatever, but I was constantly like looking up artists and musicians I admired and like reaching out to them and just like felt, like, so, like, I'm going to get out of this town and I'm going to do all these things. And I I feel like I am definitely doing those. Um, It's only that you, like, keep raising the bar for yourself. Right. You know, I forget that, like, the biggest accomplishment is that I'm making art and music. Yeah. And that's big.
0: Yeah. It's very big. And I think, like, 15-year-old you would... Appreciate that, you know.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's it's wild. Um, I have so I feel like this question hits people differently. But my podcast is called Intent Cast, and mm-hmm. the reason it's called that is because I like to ask what your intention behind your musical career is, which is intense <laughs> AF.
1: Um, I just imagine what it. <laughs> What is your intention with my daughter? Like, I don't know why that just came to my head. Okay. Um, Yeah, my intention, and I think that's so important. And when I constantly, like, people are always asking me for advice with their careers. And that's always what I make them think about is, like, why is your story different? And what do you want out of music? Because Mm -hmm. if you want, like, you know... 100,000 Instagram followers, that's not going to sustain your passion for music. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, and for me, it is one, to understand myself, but two, in the same way that music affected me, is to write a song that makes someone think about their experience in a different light. Because there's Mm -hmm. so many songs that I have, like, my, I have my little, like, play this at my funeral playlist. That's, like, the songs that impacted me, because I was, like, those lyrics, like, shifted my thinking about myself. Um So I'm always on the quest to write a song that helps someone feel that about them. Um And that's the cool thing about songs, is, like, I can write about my own experience, and I always hear from people that they channeled their experience to it, or they have their own meaning. Yeah. Have there I, been any, yeah.
0: like, recent, especially as... I mean, I assume there are even more folks reaching out, but have there been any, like, recent moments where that have reaffirmed your idea that your music can get out there and, like, hopefully help someone in some way?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's... um, Even on a few days ago... Yeah, a few days ago, uh, a girl on Twitter reached out and said that her... Her dad um, died from his addiction and she felt like wow. she she kind of had the, you know, genetics that she could eventually maybe have it too. But she felt like hearing my music and hearing my struggles that she, you know, she never wants to experience that. And that like she said that it was like felt like a sign from her dad. And I was, mm-hmm. post- <laughs> I was just like sobbing and like, yeah. oh, anyone is like, oh, oh, man. So, I mean, I, can, I can't always expect, you know, that dramatic ever response. And I also don't want people that don't have a problem with drinking to feel alienated by my music in any way. Cause
0: yeah, like, yeah.
1: Because, like, that's one thing. is like I used to, you know, sell shot glasses at my shows. Like, people are encouraged mm-hmm. to have fun. But um, I just had to write what was happening with me, so.
0: Yeah, and I think it's cool that it's through like through your sobriety and healing album that things have just exploded because I think it it takes a certain amount. You can only, I heard this quote recently, you can only kind of be as vulnerable with others as you can be with yourself. And I think to wrestle through addiction and abuse and sobriety in general, it it's nice to see that that's what has like the resonate, like, has just resonated on another level, you know? It's, like, reaffirming that that can reach so many people and help them.
1: Yeah, and I guess it's, like, something I was just thinking about is how maybe, uh, in a lot of ways, I kind of feel detached from my experiences, um, especially, Mm -hmm. like, growing up with my youth pastor and my suicide attempt that I talk about very openly. Yeah. And um, I think... In some ways, I almost have separated myself from it in that now I Mm -hmm. get to share it as a story because obviously it's, like, something that happened to me, but there's always new ways that I can shed light on that creatively. And I guess it's like that, you know, write what you know. And now I... um, Because, yeah, I I did used to feel insecure that was, like, you know talking about it too much but you know (laughs) it's way more pressure to be like share that in one way like I feel like I need to write a song about it I need to maybe express it in a video I made this little like documentary thing kind of telling a little bit about it and that's how I deal with it is sharing it in new ways
0: yeah yeah it's a different I mean people so, um, sometimes with like really large traumas, people have to like distance themselves because it's not something you could have healed when you were 15, you know, <laughs> like it, it wasn't ready. And I, I, I admire your approach in sharing it and like creatively expressing it for yourself and for others. Um, it's super inspiring, and I realize that like the depth of, um, all these things that have happened to you, like, people, not everyone can understand all of it, but, like, to see the glimpses and, like, relate to, I think has been helpful to a lot of folks.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, And also, like, thanks for taking time to
1: chat about it. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. And um, that's one thing, like, I try to not read comments on a lot of my video, like, for example, the first Vices video, that blew yeah. up. Um, and I made a YouTube video about my attempt. And it goes into, like, more details of exactly that night yeah. and everything. And oh,
0: play yeah, graphic and play-by-play.
1: <laughs> and, oh, man, I sometimes get notifications of the comments. But, like, I just, like, don't look at comments because... Mm-hmm. For the most part, people are nice, but you'll see some people that are just, like, awful trolls that are trying to make you feel bad. And and I'm glad that it's been so many years since that experience because, like, mm-hmm. if I was 16 and I had seen some of those comments, it would have affected me so much more than it does now, almost 10 years later.
0: <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. I I mean, even... I, on one of your recent posts, you talked about how um, your femur snapped during that yeah. suicide attempt. And you mentioned that they reinforced it with a metal rod, making it stronger than before. And mm. that's what pain gives you reinforced yeah. strength. And yeah. I just like think that's like such a beautiful way to recontextualize what something means to you when you're like able to process it like it's it's just a do you want to talk on that reinforced strength and if you're feeling it now
1: i mean yeah i definitely am feeling it now and i have to remember um i mean everyone has their own you know everyone's worst experience is different and something i used to struggle with is if i would i'm just thinking like i was dating someone and you know, they would tell me something awful that happened to them and I would almost feel like, that's not that bad. (laughs) (laughs) Like a competition almost. Yeah, I was like, that's not that bad. (laughs) But, you know, I'm remembering now, obviously, like, everyone has their own experience and uh, their pain is as real to them as it is to me. And I just wrote a song about this this week that I really hope I end up putting on my EP, but basically about, like, how... I've been through so much that I don't, like, like, nothing really phases me.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like. Certainly not the little things. (laughs)
1: Yeah. 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 And I can, like, laugh about, about things now and, um, and be like, you know, I've been through all of that. So this can't be that bad.
0: Totally. Totally. Um, amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat through your new album, Blue Hour, which everyone should listen to, um, and the way it ties in with all the mental health stuff. Um, I, I think it's so important that you're. It, it's like right in our faces on this album in a really inspiring way. Um, and I just want to thank you for turning it into art.
1: <laughs> yeah, thank you. This is so fun, and I'm excited. Yay!
0: Hey guys, it's Shane. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of IntentCast with Mothica. You can check out Mothica on Spotify, Instagram, and TikTok in the podcast details. Go check out her new music video for Blackout and stream her debut album, Blue Hour. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and share it with a friend and give us a follow at Intentcast Official on Instagram. Special thanks to the IntentCast team, Julie Diaz, Eddie Ramos, and Roger Weeks. Our podcast features Fifth Dimension Prayer and Los Angeles by Danielle Landy, who also composed her jingle. Check out her music on all the places music is heard. Until next time, take care.